Welcome to the Not Almost There podcast. I'm Joe Chura, a former assembly line worker turned entrepreneur, founder, and CEO, and most importantly, a family man with a huge passion for continuous improvement. I'm hoping with this show, we can learn together and take action steps, little things every day to hopefully improve our life and inspire those around us to join the mission. Today, I'm joined by Chris Gardner. You may know Chris's story from a movie called The Pursuit of Happiness, where he's played by Will Smith. It's an incredible movie and story as he went from being a homeless, single father to working his way up Wall Street and eventually creating his own brokerage firm in 1987. He's since been featured on Oprah, Good Morning America, The Today Show, Forbes, and many other places. I met Chris when he was a keynote speaker at Refuel, a conference I created in which he references. In this episode, Chris drops his thoughts on what folks can do during the pandemic, to double down and take on new challenges like a boss, as he states. This is the fourth quarter where players play. I always learn something when I talk to Chris and this conversation is definitely no exception. Please enjoy. I have Mr. Chris Gardner here. So I wanted just to chat with you today to see how you're doing and what you've been up to. And I know you were on a mission last time we talked and to hit a hundred high schools across like rural areas. I remember this mission and uh, you're going in 10 cities at the time. And I'm just curious to see, you know, we could start off by giving us an update there. I know COVID probably changed plans a little bit like many of our plans. It changed everything for all of us. And we were in the process of doing the tour. Uh, We got 53 schools done before COVID hit. And what we've had to do, Joe, like yourself and everyone else, we've had to learn new ways to do things, which has also created bigger opportunities. Give you, for instance, we just finished doing 25 schools in Los Angeles alone. As a result of that, the Los Angeles County Office of Education has come back and asked us to do another 75 schools, which means, Joe, using technology, we're probably going to be able to do 1,000 schools in 2021. And we're tremendously excited about that. That's amazing. And for those that don't know, can you explain that mission when you say going to do schools? What does that mean? I speak with middle school children, young people, and high school students about the three most important decisions that I've ever made in my life, all of which, Joe, I made at their age or younger. And I've got to tell you, man, the response from young people has been phenomenal. Uh, Take it a step further, staying in Los Angeles for a second. Some of the young people that we've been given the opportunity to speak with are what is called now justice-involved youth. Meaning, in the old days, Joe, we used to call them juvenile delinquents, which means these young people are incarcerated, but because they're underage, they're still required to attend school and to speak with 500 of them in the last month, Joe, about how they can change their lives, the trajectory of their lives, and the path that they're currently on 
and to let them know it can be done. And then, Joe, I do a live Q&A with the young people. And here's how you know you're having a good class. You're having a good class where the students don't want the class to be over. <laughs> okay? You got the principal ringing the bell. You got the teacher saying, we got to go to the next class. But you've got the students saying, no, but we've got more questions. We want to stay here. So we're tremendously excited about it. And we've had to learn, Joe, how to use this new technology. I spoke with you guys last year. I talked about this idea. If I didn't, I'll share it now. This whole idea of having to make a hard pivot. And a hard pivot being defined as something that you would have never chosen, but you still got to make it work. That's where we all are right now. Yeah, that's it's a great point. And that brings up the next question. So obviously, you know, aside from talking to high school kids and doing all the great work you're doing, I, I know you have peers and you have, I'm sure, friends and family and many others that are struggling with what's going on now. And I'd love for you to explain, outside of the kind of adapting and pivoting, what advice you can give to those people to make it through their days and to do something different and look at this as an opportunity? First of all, you know, one thing I have to say, if I haven't said it to you before, I have to share it. Uh, one of the things that I'm speaking with people about right now is the fact that at the beginning of this quarantine, a lot of people were saying that, well, we're all in the same boat now. I will submit to you, Joe, we are not in the same boat we are in the same storm, meaning there are a number of different boats out here. There's the boat full of people who have the luxury of working from home with whatever challenges that presents, which is totally separate from the boat full of essential employees, healthcare workers, and first responders that must put their health and the health of their families at risk every day simply by going to work, which is a totally separate boat, Joe, from the tens of millions of people in our country who know there's no work for them to go back to, which is totally separate, Joe, from the boat full of people who don't want to accept that we are in a storm. So my position is no, we are not in the same boat. We are in the same storm. And we've all got to act accordingly. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. An analogy I saw recently was, every, you know, we're in the storm and everyone has different kinds of boats, right? Some people don't even have boats. Some people have big boats. Some people have little rafts. I mean, everyone's going through it, but they're all experiencing it in a, in a, in a much different way. So those business owners, talking to like business owners specifically that are going through a hard time, let's talk about a restaurant. And I've seen very creative things some restaurants are doing in terms of, especially in, in uh, Chicago, right? The weather's getting cold here. They're creating these outdoor environments. And obviously that's a big capital investment and, and it, it's a risk, but I, I applaud businesses for trying. Have you seen something creative or have you talked to someone that is like, hey, you know what, I'm not going down. I'm going to make this happen. And what advice or things have you seen work so far? 
Well, <clears throat> I've seen a number of things, but the most important thing that I have seen consistently is people owning it. Meaning we did not choose this, but this is where we are. And we can't change something, Joe, until we own it. We've got to own our own present situation. And we also, Joe, something I saw years ago, totally unrelated to COVID, I saw something down in New Orleans. I went down to New Orleans um, for a speaking engagement about a year after Hurricane Katrina. I had seen the news coverage, Joe, I had seen the photos, but I had to go and see for myself with my own eyes what it looked like. And imagine, Joe, if you can, a cemetery where all the tombstones and grave markers were schools, churches, restaurants, businesses that had just been absolutely decimated. But I saw this one thing. I saw this little old man who was cutting the grass at a home that I thought was his. Cutting the grass, Joe, with a push mower. I stopped the car and I go up to him and I said, well, you got your yard looking good. And he said to me, this is not my yard. This is my friend's yard. But every time I cut my grass, I cut his because I know one day my friend is coming home. And I thought, whoa, man. The first thought to go through my mind, Joe, was a small-minded thought, which was, do I have any friends like that? That's the small-minded thought. The big thought was, or should have been, have I been that kind of friend? My point is, Joe, I go back to the same community, that same neighborhood a year later, and there was that same little old man but this time, Joe, he was not alone. This time, he was sitting under a recently planted shade tree, and he was playing checkers. And I could tell by the look on his face and the smile in his eyes that his friend had come home. My point, Joe, is this. That is what's going to get us through this initial shock. It's going to be friends, families and folks, not the feds. That's what's going to get us through because the cavalry is not coming, but that's okay. You know why? Because we are the cavalry, Joe. We're the first cavalry of friends, families and folks and we can do this. It's been done before, but now it's our turn. Yeah, part of me, a lot of me, thinks the adversity of what this is bringing is going to change many of us forever, right? And I know your story, my story, like we've we've grown and we've got to where we are because of adversity, right? And your your story is much more well known in the pursuit of happiness, the movie and the book. Um and I and I think that's what allows us to grow similar to like when you're lifting weights, right? And you're and you're, you know, straining your muscles, and then what happens afterwards? It gives them a, gives them a chance to grow, and it's hard when you're in it to see it. Just like it was hard with you when you were in court and 
all of a sudden you're supposed to be interviewing for a job and your your story is so vividly portrayed in the book too um that you know I just think about those moments but it 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 got me thinking you know I I know typically when I produce something if that's like a piece of content or a video I always think about it later and I don't re- necessarily regret or go back and say oh I wish I would have done this or that but I was curious is there something that you wish was in the movie depicted or something in the book now having looked back, you know, so many years later that, that isn't there. You know what, Joe? Now I'll point it out to you and the folks at Refuel last year. One of the major differences between reality and the film in the film, Jaden Smith plays my son as a five-year-old. They did that for the dialogue between the characters in reality, Joe, At this point in our journey, my son was 14 months old. That changes everything. And when you share that with people, you do get this sense of, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) Joe, that takes it to a whole different level of intensity. You got a 14-month-old baby tied on your back. But that, Joe, also that experience gives me a sense of confidence in this new environment that we're in. And I'm going to say this, and I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about everybody that's listening to this podcast that you and I are doing right now. Joe, we've been here before. Maybe it had a different name, right? Maybe the mountain was not called COVID. Maybe it had a different name. But we've been here before. And I think about my dear friend, Dr. Maya Angelou, every day. And I will never forget her saying to me, as we were speaking about struggle, I will never forget her saying to me that we have the people for this mountain. We must all be mindful that there were people who came before us, Joe, who came up a steeper side of this mountain, carrying a bigger to heavier load, but they kept going forward. This can't be done. But I will also share with you, Joe, I don't know what your feelings are, I will share with you three things that are clear about where we are right now. Number one, we have all had our worlds rocked at the very same time. Number two, none of us knows how long these changes are going to be with us. And number three, Joe, we're all going to come out of this with new scar tissue. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, we're all going to come out of this with new scar tissue. But just like that analogy that you used of tearing down a muscle, as it recovers, it begins to grow. The big question, Joe, for me, is how many of us are going to embrace this opportunity to grow? That's the big question. As we continue to try and go forward, how are we going to use this opportunity to grow and to prepare ourselves, Joe, for the next COVID? Because this space that we're in right now, something like this, Joe, is going to happen again. We don't know what it's called. We don't know the name. 
We're not going to see it coming. It's going to happen again. You just made me think of February 12th of this year, Joe, I had the opportunity to address the United Nations. Look, I've done some big things, made some big presentations, spoken all over the world. It's kind of a big deal. And I thought, okay, hey, this is just another event. Man, let me tell you something. When you walk through the fourth layer of security at the United Nations, and the first thing that you see when you walk in the door is a life-size statue of Nelson Mandela sticking out his hand in friendship. That's when you realize, whoa, <laughs> Joe, this ain't just another event. This is a big deal. My point is this. I had a chance to address the United Nations on this issue of ending global homelessness. And again, the date was February 12th, Joe, and I made reference to women here in the United States too many times who are paid less than their male colleagues who have a quiet fear, Joe, that quiet fear is, what if something happened? What if there was some economic gyration that happened someplace around the world that had nothing to do with me, but suddenly my whole family is put at risk? Joe, I keep saying the date again. It was February 12th, 2020. COVID was already here. We didn't know it. Yeah. None of us knew, Joe. Right? Yeah. It was already here. And, and it wasn't, as I pointed out in my talk at the UN, it wasn't some economic event. It was a global health issue that caused economic disruption. Right? Yep. So, um, hey, man, and I looked back at that tape the other day and I had to ask myself, Jesus Christ, we didn't know, Joe. Think about it for a second. Take it a step further, okay? That was February 12th. February 14th, Joe, where were we? All of us collectively. We were someplace, Joe, celebrating Valentine's Day. Uh huh. Yeah. We were in a restaurant. We were in a club. We were at a party. We were at some great big social event. I know for a fact I was at a concert on February fifteenth with two thousand people, Joe. I was at an event. All on top of each other. <laughs> Joe, we're all on top of each other. We're singing and dancing and hugging and high fiving. And we had no idea. But that's where we are now. And I'm hopeful, Joe. I'm hopeful, but I will tell you this. This space that we're in right now, this is not based on anything scientific. So for anyone out there listening, I'm not, I don't have a theory. I don't have any evidence. But my gut is telling me, Joe, we're going to be in this space for at least another year. 
That's just my gut feeling. I I would agree. I do not think that this is going to end it at any time soon, and and it's gonna, like I said, forever change where we go going forward. But at, at the end of the day, I think that scar tissue is going to enable us to think about the future a little bit differently, which is how you know you and take in, yeah, definitely, and how you've taken things in life and and have learned and applied lessons. And uh, at the end of the day, we're going to all grow from it one way or another. Right. And, and I see my, my children going through things. Um, the, the parents that are schooling their children, well, having jobs, um, you know, it's, it's incredible as, as you know, Chris, we, we have, I have a fairly large company and, you know, most of the homeschooling that I see, at least within my organization, is done being is being done by the moms, and there some of these moms are just the highest performing workers that that I have. They're amazing, and they're juggling this duty of being a teacher at the same time, and it's simply incredible. So when this, let's call it dissipates, because it will at some point, imagine this the skills that they've been able to acquire to be able to kind of do this a high functioning career managing a team and then managing their household at the same time and it's it's simply incredible when i think about that and and how that's going to let them grow now i hope they and many get a reprieve from from that because it's not sustainable long term but i don't think it's going away tomorrow to your point well let me say this a couple of things first of all you're talking about moms. Moms are going to do what moms have to do. Period. Now, Amen. Is it exhausting? Yes. But moms is gonna make it work. Yep. Okay. There's no doubt in my mind about that. One of the things, Joe, that going forward, uh, speaking about young people. Uh, you touched briefly on it a second ago. This exhaustion that we're all feeling right now, one of the things that I'm very concerned about is the mental health impact that this pandemic is going to have on young people. You think about it for a second, Joe. You and I and guys our age, we've been down the road, Joe, We've had some fender benders, some mirror misses. We've hit some potholes. Some of us have had some head-on collisions that some kind of a way we walked away from. But these young people, Joe, this is the very first time in their lives that they had their whole life put on pause. And for an indefinite period of time, Joe, put on pause. And we don't know we can't give them a date. I was having this conversation with my granddaughter, Joe, at the beginning of this pandemic, and she said something to me. She's 13 years old. She said to me, Papa, I want my life back. <laughs> Joe, trust me, we all want our lives back. But the potential impact on the mental health of young people is something that I am concerned about. And I'll take it a step further. Joe, one of the things I'm stressing to young people is the fact 
that this is not the time to disengage from your teachers, your school, or pursuing your education. Because at some point, there's going to be a price that you're going to have to pay individually because you chose to disengage. There's going to be a price, Joe. I'm doing the research right now. And I want to be able to say to a young high school student and a middle school student, if you lose this one year of your education right now, this is what it's going to cost you in real dollars and opportunities in the near future. And when you take it a step further, Joe, you add all those years and dollars up that are lost individually, you add them all up and you start asking, well, what's that going to cost our community? You take it a step further and ask, what's that going to cost our country? So this is not the time to disengage from your education. Yeah. This is the time totally. to do school like a boss. Yes, sir. I love it. What what about uh, what advice do you have on the the physical health side of things? I know you've you've uh, I've heard you say this before. You know, working out, getting in that the you know the physical shape you know helps the mental mind, so to speak. Do you have any advice there for people listening to this as well? Yeah, keep pumping. <laughs> Joe, you got to keep popping, baby, and it hurts. People tell me all the time how good I look, but then I have to say, well, man, this hurts, okay? And you got to do it, Joe, every day. And I'm doing it. I'm trying to maintain my health, Joe, first and foremost. I'm trying to maintain my health. But secondly, that's that one hour, that 90 minutes that I can disengage from the rest of everything that's happening in the world, right? Um, you can OD on Zoom, Joe. Yes, you can. Zoom is like a new book. okay? You can OD on Zoom. And you know, the funny thing about Zoom, I love Zoom. I use it almost exclusively for all my presentations. But the funny thing about Zoom, you gotta, I keep talking to people. Okay, number one, the first thing you gotta do with Zoom, eat. Yep. Before you take that first Zoom meeting, Joe, eat. Because when that meeting runs a little bit later and a little bit longer, and you gotta hop on that next one, then you're late for the next one. If you don't eat, Joe, you can pass out. Yeah, you're you're right on, and it's it's wearing. I have I have time blocks in my day, and I also have now uh, taken a lot of meetings just over the phone because I pace. That's the other thing. Like, I'm personally, I'm a pacer. Like when I'm on the phone, I am not sitting still. Now all of a sudden, I'm forced to sit still. You know, let's call it six hours a day, and you have all this energy. Let alone, it's you know, it's not healthy to just be sitting. It's, you know, and and I could go out to my treadmill and probably put my laptop up out there and do other things. But you're right, if you don't eat, you just kind of get sucked in, you know. And then you start playing defense, and that's one thing I talk about a lot is, you know, um, if you don't get on top of your day, which which I'd love to find out more about your day before we wrap up in a second. But 
if you don't get on top of your day, all of a sudden you're playing defense and you're reacting all day, right? And that's why I work out with my wife every morning. I start to try and play some offense. But what is what is your daily routine, Chris? Man, the first thing I do is wake up every morning and say, thank you, Jesus. Love it. <laughs> that's my first Zoom meeting, Joe. Now, I'm not, again, I don't want people to get upset. Some people get upset when you start, when you mention anything having to do with religion. I'm talking about spirituality. Yeah, it's gratitude. The first thing that I do. When I wake up every day and say, thank you, God, for letting me see another day. All right. And uh, the funny thing, backing up to your point about uh, getting sucked into the, the, the cycle of Zoom. Joe, when you're doing what I'm doing, besides what we're doing in schools, I'm doing my normal presentations to corporations all around the world. And when I say all around the world, Joe, I mean that literally I've spoken in 45 countries this year and never left this room. My point, sir, is this. The clock is it's always morning somewhere. All right? It's always time to go somewhere on the planet. I had this experience just last week, Joe. I fly from first and only time this year, I got on the airplane, flew from Chicago to Dubai. I arrived from Dubai to Sharjah, which is the third largest of the United Arab Emirates. I'm at the hotel at nine o'clock. I'm squared away, settled down by 11. However, at three o'clock in the morning, Joe, I got to get up and get ready to make a presentation to people in Mexico City where it's 7 p.m. And they insisted on doing it live. <laughs> Joe, but it's the fourth quarter, bro. It's the fourth quarter. This is where the players play. That's what you do. Okay? So, um, but the first thing, again, I wake up every morning, man, I take that moment and seek some peace and connect with myself and connect with any and all positivity in the world, and then it's time to go. Every day. Love it. Love it. And Chris, what are you, uh, what are you listening to now? I know you're an avid reader, and I'm sure you listen to podcasts. Are you following anything recently? You know what, man? You know what I've gotten hooked on, Joe? And this is, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but I will. I am the last person in the world to get into audio books. I felt like listening to an audio book, Joe, was cheating. You're not reading, right? I had this thing in my head. But one of the things that I've had to uh, accept is that, whoa, wait a minute. I can consume so many more books by just being still and eating a bag of popcorn. <laughs> so I've gotten into my audio books and I want to say this, say this. Uh, one thing I've also done, Joe, is normally when I'm reading, I'm reading because I need to know something. I want to better understand something. I'm trying to get a better feel for how something really, really works. What I found myself doing recently, novels. Okay. Novels. Because, Joe, I want to go to another place for a moment. 
Yeah. I want to go to a different part of the world for a moment, right? And that's that's part of my daily mental health. Audio books. What what's a novel that you've uh, got into recently that you've you love that you'd recommend me? Oh man, I just finished David Silva's The Order. I love David Silva. I've also recently, now this is for grown people only and for people that must be a little bit older to appreciate, but there was a guy named Harold Robbins. And Harold Robbins wrote these great, big, racy novels. I just finished, for instance, uh, The Adventurers uh, by Harold Robbins. but you know what I really got into, Joe? Now, see, you started something. We can talk about this for another <laughs> half hour. Uh, what I really got into, man, Game of Thrones, the audio book. Okay? I don't know if you're a Game of Thrones fan. Yeah. Doesn't matter. But everyone who saw the show, okay, great. The book, George R.R. Martin's The Game of Thrones audio book. And, Joe, there's one guy that does the voices of every major character in the story. And he can do this thing with his voice and the pace and the intonation and the rhythm that you know exactly who's speaking. Is it Tywin Lannister or is it Jamie? Is it Rob Stark? Is it Jon Snow? Is it Cersei? And he's an actor. But you know, I gotta share this with you before we go. You know how that's helping me, Joe? I just finished my new book, Permission to Dream, that's going to be released in April of 2021. And I'm going to record this book for the first time in my own voice. That's awesome. <laughs> I, as a listener, I'm going to school, I'm studying. Hey, as a listener, I appreciate that because I love to hear from the author's voice, especially a story like yours and an expansion of your story. I'm sure, I'm sure it is. So, so that's, that's fantastic to hear. And that's, that's an example. You just set an example of something you've learned during COVID. I'm sure there's many, but this is one that someone could, could take with them. Right. And the crazy thing is usually like, like for me, audiobooks have always been powerful on a commute or like, if I was like mowing my lawn, like always doing something else and I could escape. But now like we're kind of stuck at home more. So that's awesome that you got into that. Um, but that's something you'll always take with you now. You're, you're probably never going back. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 going to be hard. But I'm also <laughs> learning how do you yeah. do this. That's great. And, uh, but the first thing, the last thing I have to do here, Joe, is I want to say thank you to you and all the guys at Refuel. And uh, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. And there's an old African proverb that I would like to share with everyone, which is we can go faster alone, but we can go further together. So thank you for the opportunity. And the next time I see you, man, it's going to be in person because I'm coming to your house. Oh, I'm, I'm coming to your house down in that basement where you are right now. I'm coming to your house, okay? Uh, I'm going to hold and you to it. I'm looking forward to it, man. We're yeah. going to get through this, Joe. 
All right, and for everybody at Refuel, let's all please have a safe and happy holidays. This was going to be different. Okay, it's going to be different. We'll get through it. But the last thing, Joe, peace, power, and prayers. Thank You're you. the best, Chris. Thanks so much for spending the time with us today. I appreciate you, my friend. Well, I'm blessed. See you soon. Thank you.